0: Hi, I'm David Green, and welcome back to the Digital HR Leaders podcast. In today's episode, my guest is Dawn Klinghofer, Global Head of People Analytics at Microsoft. I've had the privilege of knowing Dawn for quite some time now, and with 20 plus years in the HR and people analytics industry, Dawn is a true thought leader in the people analytics space. Today, we are going to be discussing recent work Dawn and the people analytics team at Microsoft undertook, which led them to shift from measuring employee engagement to instead measuring employee thriving.
1: We wanted a higher bar than just engagement. You know, and in measuring engagement often was the case that that while things looked pretty decent when we'd get under the covers a little bit and really understand what was going on, there were there were key areas that we needed to to focus on. And so we thought, is there a higher bar? that we could aspire to. And we did an external literature review. We did internal focus groups to really hear from our employees in terms of what made them bring their best to work every single day.
0: Dorm will walk us through what employee thriving means, why it sets a higher bar than employee engagement, and what the positive and negative drivers of employee thriving are at Microsoft. Our conversation will also cover how to set up People Analytics to deliver value to companies and their employees, and the likely future direction of People Analytics. Dawn will also share a sneak peek into our upcoming research in areas like when in-person matters and employee burnout. So without further ado, let's get started.
1: I've been doing this work probably a lot longer than many people have. We didn't call it people analytics uh, 20 years ago. We didn't really know what we should call it. And the only thing we knew was that we had access to a data warehouse with lots of people data, and we wanted to make sense of it. We took the approach like, hey... There have got to be rich insights in all of the data that we capture about our employees. And we will pave the way to understand what it is that we should be looking at and, and how to to add business value to the company and, and how to really change the way HR works to being a little bit more science-based and using data to make decisions. And so I like to say bring the art and the science together of HR.
0: And how have you seen people analytics evolve over the years and maybe how has your team grown over the last three years as well and how is it structured now?
1: Yeah, so actually, surprisingly, the the amount of headcount hasn't grown that much over the three years, but I would say the value that we've brought to the organisation has continued to grow and and we've had to do that in, in really smart ways and really figuring out what the right work is that we should do with the highest impact. I you know I'm pretty fortunate that we had a decent sized team even 3 years ago. And so again, you know, while we did while we did grow, it wasn't significant not compared to the to the amount that I'm seeing other people analytics teams grow because they just weren't they weren't as well resourced, I think, previously. But it, you know, it really comes down to Constantly listening to what it is that the business is driving, and and it certainly made it easier for all of us during the last few years to understand what was top of mind for companies, and and that what was top of mind were their employees. And so, you know, a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're pretty fortuitous in making sure that our listening systems were really already pretty mature. Even even before this happened. So it wasn't a big scramble for us when we needed to understand even more clearly how our employees were doing. We had the right infrastructure in place to be able to do that and be able to, to share that information with our leaders and managers and even back to our employees.
0: And I think as you shared with us in, in, the, in your case study in excellence in people analytics, you know that listening ecosystem from from memory, I think you you pulse two and a half thousand employees, Microsoft employees, every day. Obviously, not the same two and a half thousand employees every day. It's 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 representative of the workforce. You set that up, obviously, during the pandemic. I think it was fifteen hundred employees the day before the pandemic, two and a half thousand afterwards. I guess that's really helped you throughout the last sort of three years and nearly it is now, isn't it? Since since February twenty twenty to really understand how employees were feeling. But also then, how you should shape your approach to 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 what was remote, and I guess now hybrid work.
1: Yeah, and what I would say is we're not done. Okay, so even though we have this infrastructure, uh, we're we're pretty fortunate that we work at Microsoft, and Microsoft has really. Uh, started to play a huge role in the employee experience space, and so with the Glint and and the work that we're doing, we just announced a Viva Pulse that is is going to be coming. Um, it, it is funny the the meeting that I just had just prior to us getting on the the call together was about how we are going to continue to shape our listening system. Okay, so not just any one particular survey but how do they all work together seamlessly and simplicity at the at the core okay not to over-survey anyone, but to really get the the biggest value for what we're doing. And so we have some ideas on how we're going to evolve uh, the listening system going forward. And that really energizes me because, again, it really plays into the fact that technology is evolving, what our leaders and managers need is evolving and that you know hopefully we can get ahead of it and be there paving the way for other companies to also kind of think about hey that's a that's a good approach and maybe that's something that we should we should take into consideration as well but but while i say that Every company is different. I've, you know, at pretty much any time I have the opportunity to share this, every company is unique. And so you really have to do what's right for your company. And, and while well, a daily pulse has worked really well for us, the, the random sampling of 2,500 employees, that's not just because we, uh, you know, of the pandemic. It was because we've grown so much over the years. And when we started doing this, fifteen hundred was pretty good sample size for the the size of the company. But we'd grown so much, we needed to up the the sample size to get a good representation. But every company will have their own needs and and they also have a unique business outcome. And so you have to think about what's right for for the company that I'm trying to support and and provide value to.
0: It's interesting because we're going to spend some time talking about the work that you've been doing around employee thriving now. And, and you know w- what I personally love about people analytics is it, is it allows us to better understand the drivers of employee experience, employee behavior, and employee performance. And then identify for areas for improvement within, within organisations, because that's ultimately what it's about. It's not just about the insights, is it? it's about the actions and, and, and the outcomes that, that arise from that. As you said, it takes the guesswork out of HR and allows businesses to focus on what really matters for their employees and, and company success. Which brings us to the, to the recent article that, that you and Elizabeth um, published in Harvard Business Review on Employee Thriving. Just for those that haven't seen it yet, and we will put a link in the in the show notes. The, the article explains that Microsoft has, has opted to start measuring employee thriving rather than employee engagement. Um, I'd love to hear what prompted this shift and and why employee thriving.
1: So we had been measuring employee engagement for many 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 years. Gosh, longer than I have been working in people analytics, I believe, and. And engagement is—it's a good aspiration. Okay, it, it it has served us well. It's it serves many companies well, but. You know, we during the pandemic we we started to realize that we we wanted a higher bar than just engagement. You know, and, and measuring engagement often was the case that that while things looked pretty decent when we'd get under the covers a little bit and really understand what was going on, there were there were key areas that we needed to to focus on. And so we thought, is there a higher bar? that we could aspire to. And we did an external literature review. We did internal focus groups to really hear from our employees in terms of what made them bring their best to work every single day. And that's where we came to the conclusion that thriving was that higher bar that we were after. There was a a good article that Adam Grant Uh, wrote during the pandemic about languishing. We see that thriving is kind of the opposite of of languishing. And and then I will just share this personal story that I've I've shared a couple times before, but I think it's it's worth noting how I myself really got behind thriving. And I have two daughters. Uh, My oldest daughter is in college. My younger daughter is, is still in high school. My oldest daughter was supposed to go start her freshman year college the fall of 2020. Her university was one of the few universities that decided they were not going to have kids on campus that first semester, that they were going to be all remote. And this was my daughter's dream university. She had, you know, this was her first choice. She applied early decision. She got in. She was just over the moon excited about, about heading off to the East Coast. And we found out a couple of weeks before we were supposed to leave to drop her off that they they weren't gonna have them on campus. And so she stayed home with us for a semester. And I saw her excitement level go down and down. And she wasn't depressed. You know, you hear you heard a lot about like kids being depressed. She wasn't depressed, but she wasn't thriving. Okay. And then when she was able to go to campus in January, we couldn't even bring her there because, again, we still weren't vaccinated. But we dropped her off at the airport and we kind of said, good luck. And um, and after the first couple of days where she just needed to get used to being, you know, on her own, uh, we saw her living her best life like no tomorrow. She was thriving. I mean, everything about that university just got her more excited every single day. And so that's for me when I really got my head around this concept of thriving. It's like I saw it. I saw it with my family and I saw it with her and it, it definitely made me happy. And can you imagine if you have a, an entire workforce of people that are thriving where they're literally bringing their best selves every day? We know that You can't thrive every single day. So, really, what it's about is figuring out what what are those obstacles that get in the way of thriving and what's the environment where people can thrive and so we're you know we're starting to to do all of that analysis now we we had our first employee signals thriving results last spring and we just did our second one um, it just closed actually a couple of weeks ago and from the spring what do people that are thriving talk about they talk about a collaborative environment and teamwork they talk about inclusive culture with autonomy and the flexibility to work when and how is, is best for them. And then they talk about well-being support. And if we look at the opposite, like, what are people that are not thriving talking about? It's about silos, and it's about bureaucracy, and this lack of collaboration, Okay, And so that's where you can say, well, so how can we remove those obstacles so that we can thrive more and that's what's really important for our managers and leaders and our employees because this isn't just about managers and leaders this is about employee experience this is about employees working with one another and being energized and empowered to do meaningful work every day
0: we'll get back to my conversation with dawn in just a few short moments but for now let me tell you a little bit about the sponsors of this season's podcast If you're stuck in a rut with all this new world of work, quite quitting, remote work, talent retention, then you've got to meet Bob. Bob is a modern HR platform from HiBob that is built for the way companies need to work today. It's simple and intuitive. You can customize, automate, and create workflows for onboarding in a click. And there's more. If you're a multinational global company, you can customize just about anything. Calendars, holidays, currency, and regulations. Connect with HiBob and see what Bob can do for your company. Go to hibob.com forward slash DHL. That's H I B O B dot forward slash DHL. And meet Bob, the modern HR platform, from HiBob. Welcome back to my conversation with Dawn, where we now progress to discuss the importance of people analytics in creating a thriving workplace. Over the last two years, um, you'll know this because you've kindly uh, uh, completed it. Uh, uh, you know We had 184 companies complete it this year, over 114, I think it was 114 last year. And we asked a question, you know, where are the three areas where people analytics is adding the most value in your organisation? And both years, diversity, experience, and inclusion came out number one. So I'd love to hear what is the role of, of of the people analytics function in in driving the initiatives that ultimately lead to success in diversity, equity, and inclusion.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a great question, and I partner very very closely with Lindsay Ray McIntyre, who's our chief diversity officer, and and we partner on on all things diversity and inclusion. Uh, I thought the the report that we just launched this year, uh, yeah, not only to be able to share the goodness that it was kind of our biggest year in terms of representation. But we shared more data than we've ever shared before. We you know, we really took this notion of transparency to the next level to be able to share more information on our demographics, to be able to share what our exits are, to be able to share employee signals results by our different demographics, okay? So, I loved being able to share so much of the work that we do to really help our organization be as inclusive as we can be. And diversity inclusion is not just a data exercise by any stretch of the imagination, but we use data first to measure, then to learn, then to take different actions and then to measure again and to learn again and that and that is the that is the flywheel that we that we use. And so it it definitely made me really appreciate the work that we've been doing
0: and of course, you know we talked about the importance of a listening ecosystem in the context of employee thriving, but it's just as important in the context of diversity, equity, inclusion. It's an important component in the overall effort to, to as you said, to to measure. I mean, clearly you can't measure without without analytics, right. but also then to to put in place improve you know areas where you can improve, and then to measure and learn again, isn't it? It's it's, it's so key, isn't it?
1: It's so key, and we're and we're so not done. You know, it's not like we you know, we said, "Okay, we're done now and now we're moving on." No, I mean, this is just one more step in the journey that we have and we learn from what we're doing constantly. Okay? And and so, yes, that that is the critical aspect of it. And and there's a whole bunch of work that goes on below what we share in the in the external release to really Provide insights to our leaders in terms of hey, this is working well, keep doing this, or this is not working so well. We might want to take a different approach.
0: I know we've talked before. There's there's a few others. There's not many. There's, there's people like Patrick Coolin at ABN Amro, Keith Mcnulty at McKinsey, and a couple of others that share regularly what they're what they're doing. I mean, also it helps it helps the PEEP analytics field. And I know that's a big passion for you to help the field as well as 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 help. Microsoft um it helps hr professionals understand it more but i'd love to understand how does it help you um as well within microsoft for example in terms of when you're sharing some of the work that you're doing i guess it makes you hit, hit a higher bar before you share it as well but i'd love to hear how how it helps you Within Microsoft,
1: well, obviously, uh, the stuff that I'm sharing, we usually share externally after we've seen some type of impact uh, that we can have internally. So that that's, um, I think, the goodness is that we 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 tend not to share things that have not had impact. The The work that we did on work-life balance, for for example, and really understanding, because work-life balance is something that was important before the pandemic. It was really important during the pandemic, and it continues to be important now. And so really identifying different levers that can create more sense of balance, like having focus time, like prioritization, okay, managers helping you with prioritization. Prioritization. We love sharing when we've seen benefit. You know, after we we instituted some, some different programs and we saw our work-life balance improve, it was like, oh wow, we, this is definitely something that we want to share externally. I mean, I wrote about this in the HBR article, but Work-life balance and thriving are are different. They're not they're not the same. Okay, and not not everyone that's thriving has perfect work-life balance, and and vice versa. Uh, and that was a really interesting analysis that we did because it really solidified in our minds how different they can be. That you know that's about being energized about the work that you're doing, about meaningful work and empowerment. I mean, if you think about. You're working on a big project and you have a deadline, but you know that if you meet this deadline, the impact that this is going to have on the company, on the world is going to be huge. You can you can forget about your work-life balance for a short period, period of time. And you can say, you know what? I'm going to put in those extra hours because this work is so meaningful and I'm empowered to do it the way I need to do it. It brings me great amounts of energy. But you can't, you, you know, it, it's hard to to uh, persist like that. It's not like you can do that all the time. And so you can have these short times when you do that, and that can actually boost your thriving. But can you do that day in and day out for years on end? Maybe there are a few people that can do that, but but not everyone.
0: What advice would you give to chief people officers and people analytics leaders that might be listening on on how they can direct people analytics to solve the most important challenges for their organisation, but also that they benefit employees as well? Because I know that's something that you particularly reinforce at Microsoft.
1: Definitely. That is something that we hold in very, very high regard, that everything that we should be doing, we should really look critically to ensure that that we are doing things that benefit the employee and realizing that there are some things that we do that really benefit the organization, but we ensure that we do them so that they're also benefiting the employee. I mean, if you think about it, even feedback is a gift okay so you know when you when you are being told that hey you might want to change your approach on this we see that as benefiting the employee and not just you know the person that you're providing the feedback to but the person that that had their their sphere of influence as well you asked what what advice would i would i give people um I mean that's where it's really important to truly listen and understand what it is that is most important for your leaders and most most important for not just HR leaders but business leaders and and be able to you know insert yourself at the right times and even just taking conversations where people are hypothesizing but they're they 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 are making statements and being able to take those hypotheses and prove it with data can actually help either reinforce or it can myth bust and say, I know that this is what you think is going on in the organization, but it's actually not. And so we want to make different decisions, knowing that that's not actually what's going on in the organization.
0: We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. If you are looking to continue your learning journey, head over to myhrfuture.com and take a look at the My HR Future Academy. It is a learning experience platform supporting HR professionals to become more data-driven, more business-focused and more experience-led. By taking our short assessment, you will see how you stack up against the HR skills of the future. Then, our recommended learning journeys guide you every step of the way, helping you to close your skills gap, deepen your knowledge and press play on your career. Welcome back from the short break. Just a quick note before we head back to the interview. For those interested in reading Dawn's Employee Thriving article, a Microsoft's d report, the links are available in the podcast show notes on the myhrfuture.com website page. For now, let's get back to the conversation. I read this quote that Sachin Nadella was reported to have said um, last week, and, it, and he was talking about, he was referring to the productivity paranoia that the Work Trends Index brought out. And the quote is, you know, when you were talking about this, this employer-employee difference on the hybrid work, I think the best way to bridge the paradox is not to have more dogma, but more data. Instead of this being some kind of argument, let the data really help us move forward. And I think that's probably a, a good lesson for all leaders out there, I think, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. Yes. We definitely want to be data-led and not dogma. Uh, led. So I I appreciate that comment from our CEO definitely and and he lives that. I mean, he he asks the right questions. He wants to understand the data. And and that's you know just one of the the many reasons why I love working uh for Microsoft and have stayed here for for almost 25 years.
0: And I think it's important because you know the whole conversation around hybrid and you said it's it's not done. It's it's, it's constantly evolving, you know, look at the data and then relook at the data you know and and when you make decisions look at the data again and then learn from it you know it's it's just it's not like a once and done this is it so it's 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 really important that people take that into account
1: I love that you brought that up. I actually was in a meeting this morning where we're talking about some work that we're doing when in-person matters. And this is work that we're doing, you know, for Microsoft. Okay. So really understanding when is it critical for people to be in person? And I said, this is why Viva is so important to the world because this isn't going to be one and done. We're not going to just figure out when in-person matters and be like, okay, we've, we have all the answers, we're done. It's going to be something that we have to continuously monitor. And we, we need to make that easier for our customers as well because they are going to need to do the same type of thing. And so while I'll be excited to share uh, when when the right time for, for me to share is um, share kind of the work that we've been doing on when in person matters and, and when it matters for folks at Microsoft but I'm also excited to to hear from other corporations in terms of what have they found in, for when in person matters for them it's it's going to be unique depending on the type of work that is being done at companies and the culture that's being driven and and so yeah I think we're we're still in the beginning stages of really understanding hybrid work and what that means. The one thing that I that I do know is that people value being able to work when and where is best for them, but they also value connection, okay and team connection and and so it is it, you know it, it it is a paradox and we need to we need to figure out and guide people with data the best we can.
0: Is there anything else that you can share that, that you're looking at? As a people analytics team, moving into 2023,
1: looking at burnout is another uh, area of research for us. Kathleen wrote this great LinkedIn article about the human energy crisis, and you know, part of the the human energy crisis is really understanding how your workforce is doing and how th- their well being is holistic. And so, yes, that that is another component. Thinking about our employee listening systems and thinking about kind of the next evolution of our employee listening systems is also another area that we are very much focused on. In addition to that, just really helping all of my uh, my partners across HR, Understand where we can provide insights to help them prioritize the work that they're doing. So there, there's also this this big push in terms of uh, career development. You know, one of the things that that we did was a drivers analysis on thriving and and career is the top driver of, of thriving. And so helping our partners understand different areas that we can lean into in terms of ensuring that our employees are getting the um, the career opportunities that they are looking for so that they can thrive.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm- and of course, I've just asked one question the wrong way around. So we're going to come back to the in-person experience thing now. Um, so apologies to listeners on this. But I think it, it, it follows up nicely into work that you're going to be looking at. Um, you know, how would you even go at, about analyzing whether in-person matters? And, and, you know, what would be some of the data sources that you would look at?
1: First of all, it's really important to understand where your employees are located. OK, that that's kind of the first step i would say in when in person matters because you know companies are not the same today as they were 3 plus years ago i think that it used to be and microsoft has always been uh, you know a distributed organization but not all organizations were distributed. And um, now it's important to understand how distributed is your organization and are people all co-located and are teams co-located? So that's kind of the first, I think, kind of baseline understanding that is important to have. And then you you need to start looking at different collaboration patterns and how people are working, and uh, you know you you can do that through different technologies. But understanding are people uh, meeting in person? Are they meeting uh, you know largely for us on Teams? How are they collaborating? Different hours of the day that people are collaborating. But again, everything should tie back to the sentiment understanding. Like, are there different Different patterns that we see that lend themselves to employees thriving more than others, or, or employees having more positive sentiment uh, in terms of team connection, inclusion, other other aspects. And so that's really what we're focused on is to understand these different collaboration patterns and then match that up to sentiment.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it, as you said, it, it's it's work that's continually ongoing and continually evolving and will evolve over the next months and years, I guess. Is- yes,
1: definitely. And again, all aggregated information. We are not looking for individuals. We're not looking to implicate anyone or just to hold anyone up on a pedestal and say, this person is doing it exactly the way it. This is all, you know, aggregate data that we're looking at for trends and patterns to be able to provide the best uh, insights to our uh, our partners.
0: And a lot of those aggregate insights that you find Sometimes there are a bit aha moments for, for managers uh, or anyone in the organisation. I always remember the rather famous one about people sending emails out of hours and, and, and the extra work that causes their teams. And obviously managers generally don't want to cause extra work or stress for their team. So they, it, it actually changes behaviours or it can change behaviours.
1: Absolutely, yes, and uh, and now it's almost second nature a little bit. But what I would say with that is, um, you know, while that was a huge aha moment, okay, what did we end up doing? We, well, we partnered with uh, some of our our folks in the uh, talent management and learning and development areas, and we said, you know, well. Every team is unique, okay, and and they created what we call team agreements and they're conversations that you have with your teams and you sit down and you really go through all aspects of how you work together. Okay. And you can do this with your direct team, you can do this with your leadership team. You can do you know, I have attended multiple team agreement conversations. That's not necessarily just a one-and-done conversation. And you go through and you talk about, hey, when do you like to receive email? And if it's on the weekend and I need to get a hold of you, would you rather I text you and tell you that I need to talk to you? Or are you going to be checking your email? Because you don't need to check your email, but you, you know it's just trying to understand how everyone works and then come to that agreement so that everyone, again, can bring their best selves to, to work every day. So those team agreements have, I think, been extremely helpful in, in understanding, kind of taking the insights that we learned, but then having that, that dialogue and that conversation and then getting that, that agreement that this is how we are going to work as a team.
0: And I think that might lend itself quite nicely to so the next question. Is, this is a question that we're asking everyone on this series. Um, we create a little video clip and it will go on the MyHR Future YouTube channel. What tips can you share, maybe from the data or maybe how, about how you um, do it with your own team? What tips can you share with listeners on, on how to foster collaboration in a hybrid team?
1: OK, well, the tip, first of all, is to have the conversation on how people want to collaborate. So that is the that is the first tip. And, and we do that by having these team agreement conversations. Uh, but the other thing is to, again, continuously listen and learn, because even that team agreement that you had, could become obsolete in 3 months depending on new team members joining the team depending on uh different aspects of your life that are that you are that you're going through and so just understanding that this is an ongoing dialogue and that the more you can be transparent with one another. Share your voice. Listen and learn, and and obviously measure to understand whether or not you're making the right type of progress. Uh, that's that's what I would say.
0: Well, we're we're approaching the end of 2022, Dawn, and um, you know, so uh, I'd love to hear about some of your predictions without putting you on the spot too much for what you think 2023 holds for the HR and people analytics world.
1: You know, I think we're going to have to think really creatively about how we work in the future, and just even thinking about office spaces. I think the spaces will need to evolve over time, and we need to think about more the outcomes that we're trying to drive, and then how do we create the right type of environment to drive those outcomes. Uh, and, and that's what I really I'm so excited about the future because I feel like we have so many of those insights or are getting so many of those insights that I feel like this work site of the future is going to be just amazing. Like I can't wait to I can't wait to get there. You know um it, it's not going to be walking into a building and sitting in your in your little office or cubicle and and staying there. All day, um, it's going to be much more dynamic, and and I'm excited about kind of this evolution. And people analytics are going to be at the center of this because really understanding how it is that people bring their best selves to uh, to their work every day, no matter where or when or how it's done.
0: Yeah. Any, any anything else that you're particularly excited about potentially for next year?
1: Well, I do think that that we saw over the last few years that employee listening has become front and center in terms of what a people analytics team focuses on. And I'm also excited about the kind of the next evolution of that as well and, and being able to really work on the right questions that give us the the biggest impact. And then how do we get to the point where um we have more flexibility and we have more autonomy in terms of getting at that that information to help all teams thrive.
0: Well I think Dylan, that's a that's a good place to to leave our conversation. It's gonna be it's a it's a long episode. It's a good episode. I think there's lots that people will be able to to unpack from that. Thank you so much for, for sharing your time and, and knowledge with listeners of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Can you let listeners know how they can get in touch and or, or follow you on social media uh, and find out more about your work? We will put links to some of the um, resources that you've mentioned in, in the show notes as well.
1: So follow me on LinkedIn. That is the best way to stay up to date on the research and analytics that we are sharing. And also just uh, other tidbits of information that I like to share on LinkedIn. So definitely LinkedIn is is the place to, to follow me.
0: Dawn, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much uh, for being a guest on the show.
1: Thank you for having me, David. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. And my thanks again to Dawn Klinghofer. Another great conversation as always. If you enjoyed this episode, please do rate the show with five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share it with your friends and colleagues via social media. The more people this goes out to, the more organisations we can help add business value with people analytics. For more from us at Insight 222, Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and you can sign up for our weekly newsletter by going to myhrfuture.com. Bye for now and we hope to see you next week for another episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Stay safe, stay well and see you soon.